discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, Ho Young. I'm joined by Neil Holin and Brandon Yates in the studio. Next up, get ready for a chilling revelation. <laughs> Antarctic tourism is on the rise. But can this frozen paradise handle the influx of thrill seekers? And for those caught up in the hustle of the 9 to 5 routine, a comforting cup of steaming ca- caffeine, it be it coffee or tea, is often the go-to companion. But for those who opt to use their personal cups, yeah, we care about the environment. The question arises, before or after work, when is the best time to give it a good old wash? Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any podcast platform of your choice. But hey, the party doesn't stop there. We want to hear your voice on the show. Got curious thoughts or burning questions? Record them and send them our way at EZFMRoundtable at foxmail.com and take part in our heart-to-heart segment. Let's turn up the volume together. Now on Roundtable as we continue today's discussion. Imagine lounging on a lavish cruise ship, basking in the shimmering glow of ancient glaciers, exchanging pleasantries with penguins and seals on floating ice. Sounds like the ultimate bucket list, right? Well, hold on tight as we dive into the chilly wonders of Antarctic (laughs) tourism. Find out why Chinese global trotters are setting sail for this icy paradise, enduring a 30-day journey and shelling out over 100,000 yuan, or that's about 14 grand U.S. dollars. So give us an overview on the customer profile, maybe, and market size for Antarctica travel in China. Sure. Actually, when it comes to traveling to Antarctic, it's not actually something that's been um i would say something completely new it's been the dream for a lot of people for quite a long time when i say a lot of people i mean those who are heavy travelers Mm. they travel to different places people that have traveled already a lot yes it's not it's not normally the first destination that pops up on people's minds no but recently we get to see that the consumer demographic is becoming younger when Mm. it comes to this type of trip currently the age group of 50 to 70 remains the main consumer base for the Antarctic tours, accounting yeah. for about 80% of the total. And However, that's, gener- that's generally the bucket list kind of category as well. That's people that are kind of wanting to do certain things before they you know, yeah. take the bucket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, they have the money. Yes, exactly. However, we get to see that there has been this increase in the proportion of young people participating in Antarctic group tours with a potential rise from less than 10% to around 20%. And in Industry insiders are saying it's probably that the proportion can go up to 30%. Which this is, is global, right? Not just China. Mm, yes. Okay. But this is really quite prominent yeah. because they do not have that amount of money and they haven't traveled to all of other places yet. Yet they are, uh, let's say, cultivating or having this growing interest in Antarctic you know what I think tours. It, you know what I think it is? I think that young people are so... They have access to so much through social media um, and, you know, having the means to travel, etc. I think that finding unique experiences is becoming more and more important to youngsters 
So I think that's probably why um, something like Antarctica, and that's probably not the only example, but sort of unique destinations that not necessarily everybody goes to or has the ability to go to, that would become more popular with young people because they want to be the ones that did something that others haven't. Mm. And actually on Roundtable, we've talked about the fact that young people are chasing after a more immersive and unique and special experience when it comes to traveling. And this special kind of traveling to this special part of the world contains another element. That is, when you travel to Antarctic, you get to travel on a ship, a cruise, or or through flight or anyway in this group with certain experts, with all the knowledge about this special place in the Mm. world. They know about the weather, the I think you have to. You can't just go. Exactly. You know, it's not like Paris. You can't just go there and, you know, <laughs> jump off a plane and walk around. You Sorry, know, you, Paris. You, you have, no, but I mean, you, I Antarctica is the type of place where you can't just hop off a plane and say, well, I'm in Antarctica now. It, uh, I think you definitely need some experts to show you around. And the experts showing you around do not only tell you where to go. They have all the information, all the knowledge mm. about different animals, different plants, how I don't know, did certain iceberg float here? Maybe they don't have that information. But the idea is that you feel eye-opening in both veal and also knowledge-wise, mm. which is very attracting to yeah. curious young minds nowadays. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, like I've always had this ambition of wanting to go to all of the continents. And like yeah. Antarctica is a continent, I believe. Um, and it's kind of at the back of my mind. I kind of feel like, well, if I've been to the other six continents that counts because Antarctica is just this big <laughs> block of ice. Well, that's that's how people think. Mm. Um, but it's always kind of been on the back of my mind that one day when I do reach that age group, the 50 to 70 age group, hopefully I get there, um, <laughs> then I would look at Antarctica. But it's interesting to see that younger people are looking at a destination like that um, at, a, at an earlier stage in their life because... Yeah. I mean, other destinations where you can do a lot more and have a, a more relaxed... Um, individual experience seems more appealing to young people, I would think, than something like that that requires, you know, an an expert to show you around. But also, um, I would think it's more physically challenging for people as well. So maybe it makes sense for young people to do that. Yeah. I mean, they can handle it like they can handle the conditions. And yeah, you don't want to wait until your joints are aching and you need a walking cane. I'm sorry. I don't (laughs) mean to allude to those uh, ageism examples. But the thing is, you know, you need to be physically fit to to do this. So there's the price issue. There is the fitness issue, as well as maybe um, this is something that um, what Brandon has already mentioned. mentioned, and maybe I have a echoing point to that, which is um, these days. Well, of course, it's not news that young people live on social media, and um, and, and therefore, I don't know if you have this feeling, but sometimes there's a little sense of jealousy that yes. arises. Oh, definitely, one hundred percent. That's why I travel to make my friends jealous <laughs> <laughs> and show off on social exactly. media. Always the uh, the nine perfectly <laughs> selected pictures that go yes. together neatly and with a beautiful. It's all about the stories. The all middle. about the stories. And yeah, and you're just uh, slaving away in the office, and you see that happen with somebody else's life, and therefore, like going to travel and also the immersive experience is what millennials apparently love. They're willing to go to the ends of the earth to make their friends and family (laughs) jealous. (laughs) See? Bingo! (laughs) 
the most unusual place yeah. I can go on Earth is probably Antarctica. <laughs> and the next uh, thing that's being penciled down is when you have enough money in the ranks of uh, maybe like Jeff Bezos, and then yes. you can travel to space. Or this year, you know that horrible tragedy of the, uh, the Titanic thing. Yes, yeah. the Titan. I forgot what it was called, but I know exactly the the, 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 the very small vessel. Yes, yeah. Implosion Oof, that, that happened in uh, June this year, yes. and that's just another example of adventure tourism. Of you know, this is what young people possibly would like to do, and if they could fund the, that project, um, well Why then, not? yeah, yeah it, you probably need to have really rich parents to to, to do that. And unfortunately, one of uh, there was this or be father... the CEO of a unicorn company at yeah. twenty five, <laughs> like uh, Mark Zuckerberg or something like that. Oh, that's really interesting. Actually, uh, this is. Yeah, I know uh, exactly regarding... what you're going to talk about. The bunker uh, that no. he's building. Oh no, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll jump oh, into that soon. Oh, oh okay. Should, should okay, I go, okay. should I go first? Uh, you sure? So allegedly, Mark Zuckerberg has bought this huge plot of land in Hawaii, and he's building this massive palatial palace or whatever, whatever. And he's also half of that is going to be underground, and he's apparently preparing food and um, shelter and like preparing for some sort of apocalypse. So people are freaking out because they're thinking, well, he's this mm -hmm. high powered guy. Maybe he has access to, I should not be spinning conspiracy <laughs> theories on the show, but you know, so that's, that's also something that, um, well, th there's an example of somebody that's able to do something unique and crazy because they have the financial means to do so. Right. And he's young, you know, so he yeah, probably yeah. does things that old people wouldn't think about. And what I was trying to get at was that uh, <laughs> the average age of unicorn companies apparently oh, right. is 43 years old. Wow. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, they're young enough to yeah. go trotting wherever. <laughs> Absolutely. And a, a slightly dangerous but not too dangerous place. And, yes, so these um, it, polar adventures are no small feet, both in miles and expenditure. What makes these pricey uh, and, well, actually, what makes these uh, escapades a hot favorite among Chinese wanderers? I I think maybe it has something to do with uh, the younger generation, maybe just building on the backs of their hardworking parents, have a little bit more money to I enjoy. feel attacked. I'm one of those people. <laughs> It's a weird mood I'm yeah. in today. I'm sorry, our dear listeners. <laughs> no, but you're I, accurate. No, it's 100% think, right. Yeah, and at the same time, actually, if you tell your parents instead of a travel experience you want to enjoy, it's a, um, I don't know, study trip you that see, you're signing their up. Product. You see how important being able to sell a She's product is? so good. You and just re-angle it, and then all of a sudden, the investors, the parents are like, well, that's great. Here's a billion dollars. Yeah, you only can sell me anything, <laughs> and I'll yeah. just buy it. Yes, because I looked into the actual items and also uh, the things you would do on such trip. Of course, you have to cover, the money covers the, uh, let's say, the airline, the cruise ticket, to the hotels, and entry fee, and of course, the expert mm -hmm. that will escort you the entire way. In the same time, actually, there are certain items that would attract young kids. For example, they get to meet actual, not only the professional experts, but also the amateur experts from all walks of life signing up for the trip. They get to talk to, like you guys said, the relatively elder folks who have an interest and have the money to go to yeah. these extreme places. Being friends with them is no harm. You definitely. mean it becomes a networking uh, <laughs> so event? All the generation saying, explains learning, to the younger generation, from them. hey, here's how you can continue <laughs> to spend your parents' money. Go on this Learn. trip. Go on this trip. Invest in my company, which is yes. learning. Nothing right them. now. Guys, I've just started this brand new company. Um, could you give 
uh, a billion dollars from your parents, that'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> That's not the point. But in the meantime, from a very younger, let's say, stage of your life, you get to see the extreme of the extreme, yes. and you get to see how come、uh, the environment, being environmentally friendly, is actually useful. You get to see whether or not, because we do have example of、mm. actual high school students taking up on such trip and decided that wow, I do love what I've seen, and I want to be a college major in related subjects, and、right. that is something very useful. Yeah, and I think it's also great that、um, young people that do you, look. I mean, you know, some people do have access to money from their parents, and you know, good for them. But it's also great to hear that they are using that to have these unique. Experiences、um, at a young age that they might not necessarily be able to do, like you said,、mm. at an older age,、um, which I think is look, it's it's spending money, but it seems like it's spending money on a really positive. Fulfilling experience,、mm. you know, as opposed to just going to like a nightclub and spending a hundred thousand dollars on alcohol, you know, <laughs>、oh, which people, which 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 some kids do do,、mm-hmm. and also、um, some people maybe they're. They don't necessarily have rich parents or whoever that's supporting them, but it's speculation again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're just <laughs> funding this themselves. And some people really、yeah. treat this as you know one of the bucket list items. And also, I think、um, you know it also we're not judging, but if you have some really. Meaningful takeaways from the experience, then I think that's the best kind of thing. Absolutely.、Um, But not always do people do that. And、uh, now I want to ask you guys,、um, you know, sort of moving away a little bit from people's、um, why they decide to go on the trip to、uh, what's the impact of tourism、mm-hmm. on the Antarctic continent? Because、mm-hmm. since the 1960s,、um, commercial travel or these tourism groups. Um, usually, going on、um, cruise ships have started their way, and now it's a few decades later, and you know, and it's grown substantially. So yeah, yeah. So there's probably the an、impact? environmental effect. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Actually, the visits of tourists may affect the work of local scientific research teams to start with,、right. because if your roads actually interact with each other, they're m- Could be potential problems, and in the meantime,、uh, there would be impact on local wildlife. Despite the stronger awareness of current tourist organizations to leave no trace in the local environment,、and、it's a very volatile area. Exactly, there's still human activities. They may still have an impact on it. And a study published in.、Um, Uh, and Arctic Science this year found that tourists could be disturbing the penguins on one of the、mm-hmm. continent's most popular islands.、Mm-hmm. And even though many of the tourists would say that you should be, for example, not less than ten meters、uh, close with the penguins, still, if they see you, it's not what they usually see. <laughs> it would affect their、yeah. behavior. Then,、yeah. then could leave a long-lasting effect. And of course, there would be impact on the environment, like、uh, Brenda has already. Mentioned and so, disrupting research in that area going forward could be potentially very damaging because I think a lot of what happens in those polar ice caps has a effect on the global environment. Yes, and you mentioned penguins. Good point. <laughs> Antarctica is the only permanent landing area for the Emperor. 
penguins. Yeah. You know, they're, they're like so magnificent and beautiful. That's the ones with beautiful. the yellow, right? The, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And uh, they You've spend... got a lot of penguins in Cape Town too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're a different type. Yeah, they're they are... a little bit smaller and a little naughtier That's by right. the look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. They're quite cheeky and they are smaller and cuter in, yes. my, in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I went to your country on yeah. a business trip a few years ago, it was just fascinating to see yeah. those. Uh, they all have their own individual like species names and yeah. I unfortunately don't remember them now, but it <laughs> me left either. me quite quite the impression yeah they're great yeah and the uh emperor penguins spent their whole lives on antarctica and its waters emperors are the only animal to spend the winter on the antarctic ice and yes there's definitely a huge environmental uh, impact we're talking about here um well in the most visited areas the re uh, well researchers have been uh, have found that the snow has a higher concentration of black carbon from ship exhausts, mm. absorbing heat and accelerating the melt. On parts of the uh, Arctic Peninsula, this may be causing surface snow to melt up to 30, uh, sorry, 23 millimeters each summer. Mm. And another study calculated that each visitor between 20 16 and 2020 was in effect melting 75 tons of snow just by visiting Antarctica. And at tourist hotspots, the effect of that influx is even more apparent. Queues of cruise liners wait up at the at the Bay Area and yeah. fuel spills and collisions between vessels and marine life have been recorded. And in some areas, tourists have been walking over delicate mosses and plants and some historic structures has have been scarred by graffiti. And these are all reported by The Guardian. This can all be managed though, right? It's, it's good that this information is coming out and hopefully there are authorities in place in those areas that should be heavily protected to not rid the area of tourism, but it definitely sounds like it needs to be managed better and hopefully that will happen in the future. One example that I can think of from my personal experiences with uh, nature tourism was in Thailand when we went to go visit the, the PP Islands. Um, we were allowed to swim in the ocean near the beach, but the beach was entirely closed off because of over-tourism and they needed to let certain plants regrow and you know sort out pollution and that sort of thing. So the, the tourists were banned from actually uh, stepping onto the beach. And I think similar measures can be taken in Antarctica to protect areas that are, you know, being damaged or, you know, protecting researchers and animals, etc. Oh, for sure. Actually, there is the International Association of Antarctica Tour Operators. Mm -hmm. uh, it is founded in 1991. It's a member organization that promotes safe and environmentally responsible travel to the place. And the fact is, if you are, you know, very informative and you have the info you have the ability to do your own research and to actually organize or plan your own trip to the icy wonderland mm -hmm. then you should at least make sure that you're on a in a group or on a ship that is uh, a member you have to go by yeah you can't exactly. go on your own for sure but ultimately the industry remains self-regulated despite the fact that there are some of these rules in place and therefore we're seeing that it, it is causing problems yeah. and and this is um one area that um when you talk about you know how to 
uh, go about this forward? Should you limit the number of people going there? Because at the moment, there is no cap, and the numbers keep on rising. And uh, if you say that we want to limit the number, then who gets to choose what people gets to go there? Get no, to go there. No cap is like an urban dictionary term. It means like, not, I'm not lying. People say no cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're no cap on this show. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, but yeah, know. that can be managed, right? So I'm sure something can be done. But about... it's easier said than done. Yeah, and, and it also raises problem. prices and that also comes with its own problems. So th- I think whatever they do to protect that environment, I think there's going to be a knock-on effect for either party, for the tourists or for people trying to protect that area. I think there needs to be some sort of management there. And I think regardless of what they do, it's it's going to be tricky. It's a tricky thing to deal with. And that's what we're talking about. And um, when we t- when we look at the really fragile situation and the ecosystems that may be a risk, um, and we we look at the future, and I think this is just a really delicate balance. And uh, in a I, very delicate area too. Indeed, yeah. I am a firm believer, and I believe this little line. Um, has relevance here just because you can do something doesn't mean you should Mm. Um, but I'm actually a little bit surprised with um, Brandon's uh, reaction today because I thought you might be one of those people who's firmly uh, on the side that I should go because I'm an outdoorsy yeah. person and I like exploring. <laughs> I do. It's, it's definitely on my list for sure. And I think people should go, but I also think that it does need to be managed. Um, yeah. But that, with that being said, and, and we, we don't want people missing out on that experience, but we also really need to protect that area. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult management situation to deal with. And someone at the other end of the spectrum could say, just ban it. You know, why would you allow people to go? These people don't behave themselves. <laughs> Human beings, yeah. aren't we um, familiar with what they do? That is, they find something delicate, unique, absolutely, utterly beautiful. And destroy it. And hopefully we don't go there. Yeah, I really hope so. And I think it's going to be a very tricky thing to manage. Um, And and maybe that is necessary. Maybe we do need periods where people need to be banned completely from going there. Um, And and that's the thing. uh, Because going to uh, Arctic travel, actually you can only go in so-called summertime. Mm -hmm. So therefore, um, well, I'm not really making an argument for people going there. But the thing is, like, automatically because of the natural existence of this place, then there are only these X amount of months that you can go and already you're wreaking havoc yeah. so yeah, and I think the more need... exclusive and unique and you know difficult it becomes to go there the more popular it's going to become as well because then you're going to have a whole bunch of people trying to get into that exclusive Antarctica club you know what I mean Make it even pricier. That's the thing. So it, I think that's eventually what people are going to have to learn to deal with is that if we're going to protect this area and keep it sustainable, it is going to become more and more expensive. And then it's going to be like, oh, is it only the ultra rich have the privilege to go? Mm. So supply this demand, is the nev- supply demand. You know, everyone wants an iPhone, but they can't afford it. Uh, th- thanks to the um, company policy or whatnot, oh, it's becoming a little bit more affordable, but we'll see. We'll see. And there are plenty of other options out there. Coming up next, before or after work, when's the best time to wash your mug? Stay tuned. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable. 
where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by New Holland and Brandon Yates in the studio. When it comes to washing cups, office workers typically fall into two camps: those who wash them before work to start the day with a sense of ritual, and those who wash them after work to conclude a busy day. Actually, there's a third group of individuals who, believe it or not, don't wash their mugs at all. Ooh. Ooh. Um, from a health and hygiene perspective, how often should cups? Be washed, and when's the best time to do so? Well, I think it depends. As long as you wash it at least once a day, I think it works. A day. <laughs> See, we have a surpriser here already.、Really? Yeah, because actually, depends on you, what you you drink. Also, yeah,、oh, yeah, that's the thing.、Enough. Because it depends on the material or the、uh, what's your mug is made of. If it's plastic, if it's for some people, I'm not gonna. Call them cheap, but if you're they're using single-use cups, yeah, you cheapos. <laughs> doing a terrible thing to the environment. Yeah, yeah, or maybe they have don't do it anymore. That's why you know my purpose for this discussion <laughs> is that you know just come、We're、with your own mug. We get to tell our、mug. listeners what to do. Stop it. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and also some would use even steel cups. I know we call、oh. it tangsugang here. Oh, here not like being a theft. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's the material, but、okay. it's actually quite. Um, I would say hygiene-wise, quite good, and also there is the best kind that is the glass cups. They're actually quite good, and ceramics maybe can be. I think my cup is ceramic. Oh, good. Our, our good company for cup you. that they, you know, the one that changes color when you when it gets hot. The the CR. The, oh yes. Yeah, I use that. That's actually, that's that's ceramics, right?、Mm, I, I guess so. And、yeah. according to a survey, only nine point six percent of respondents wash their mugs immediately after use,、yeah. which is recommended.、Uh, while forty percent wash them once a day, which is acceptable in my opinion. And a significant twenty percent wash their mugs even less, or even less frequently, which I believe include Brendan.、Yeah. Well, what does wash? I mean, like, what does wash mean? Like with soap and like with a cloth, like as in like washing a dish. Or like- Or at least just rinse it. Yeah, I, so I rinse my cup with boiling water, but、oh. apparently that's not enough. Okay. Also, in in, in 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 your opinion, do you think I need to do more? I think you should at least use a brush or use your hands to、yeah. make sure no、uh, residue stays within your cup. Because actually, it depends on, of course, what you drink. But just if- black coffee always. Black coffee? Do you have sugar in it? No. Because sugary beverages like cola and new coffee showed ex. Exceptionally high bacterial yeah, counts, but I think that's also visible too. Like I think that <laughs> that kind of bacteria is more visible, and, and you would hope that people、mm-hmm. that see a visibly filthy cup would would wash it. But when it's just black coffee, when I rinse it out with boiling water, that visibly it looks clean to me. But、um, I could be wrong. But I mean, it looks okay. He- You should be fine because、yeah. there are so many bad apples out there. In comparison, <laughs> you don't look so bad. So, so I'm okay <laughs> compared to the people that apparently never wash their cups. Well, but, but some people would even have a separate mug for their coffee、uh-huh. and clean it immediately after using it, and have another <laughs> mug for their water to、so、make sure it's very. So now we're onto the psychopaths. <laughs> <laughs> we're onto the very clean and hygiene person. <laughs> yes, indeed, and it makes perfect sense because you separate like. Oh, the, the, the <laughs> one mug is probably best for you know the beverages that might leave a stain, which、yeah. means you should 
you know. These are the people that keep their left socks frequently. in one drawer and their right socks in another drawer. <laughs> well, actually, you'd be surprised because she has very specially picked out socks with oh, beautiful design. And uh, yes, all wrapped up, rolled up neatly. I love colorful socks. Yeah, yes, I, I think... love people that have wild, funky socks. I always think that's fun. <laughs> Just a drew up. Yeah. Uh, but, but, one little detail is that if you drink green tea, it's actually better than even water when it comes to the residue creating environment for bacteria. So if really? you drink green tea, maybe you can wash it. I don't know. I love green tea. Once, two days. That's my limit. Yeah. And apparently, if you have just a mug with um, water, that's what you drink. Yeah. And you don't need to wash it every day. Mm. Still yeah. gonna wash it every day. I yeah. think you still also need to be aware of like what's around because if you leave a cup in a dirty office and then dust particles get yes. into the mug, so there's that element Always as well. Always keep the lid on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's really useful especially if you're leaving your stuff in the office you know well if you're hot desking then it's a different story and that's it for today's roundtable you guys have a beautiful day bye